Chapter Five of Jeremy and Hamlet by Hugh Walpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five, Poodle. One, I hate to confess it, but truth forces me. Hamlet was a snob. With other dogs, not with humans. With humans, you never could tell. He would cling to the one and cleave from the other without any apparent just reason. He loved the lamplighter of Orange Street, although he was a dirty, disheveled rabbit of a man. He hated Aunt Amy, who was as decent and cleanly a spinster as England could provide. But with dogs, he was a terrible snob. This, of course, he had no possible right to be, himself an absolute mongrel with at least five different breeds peeping now here, now there, out of his peculiar body nevertheless he did like a dog to be a gentleman and openly said so it may have been that there was in it more of the snobbery of the artist than of the social striver what he wanted was to spend his time with dogs of intelligence dogs with savoir-faire dogs of enterprise and ambition what he could not abide was your mealy-mouthed, lickspittle, creeping and crawling kind of a dog, and he made his opinion very clear indeed. Since his master's return for the holidays and his own subsequent restoration to the upper part of the house, I am sorry to say that his conceit, already sufficiently large, was considerably swollen. His master was the most magnificent, stupendous, successful, all-knowing human to be found anywhere, and he was the favorite, best-loved, most warmly cherished object of that master's affections. It followed, then, that he was a dog beyond all other dogs. When he had been a kitchen dog, he had affected a superiority that the other kitchen dogs of the neighborhood had found quite intolerable he would talk to none of them but would strut up and down inside the garden railings looking with his melancholy contemptuous eyes at those who invited him without suffering himself to be lured neither by lust of food nor invitation to battle nor tender suggestions of love when he became an upstairs dog again the other upstairs dogs did not of course allow him to forget his recent status but hamlet was not like other dogs he had a humour and sarcasm a gift of phrase an enchanting cynicism which very few dogs were able to resist he was out of doors now so frequently with jeremy that he met dogs from quite distant parts of the town and a little while before christmas made friends with a fine aristocratic fox terrier who lived in one of the villas beyond the high school this fox terrier found hamlet exactly the companion he desired having himself a very pretty wit but being lazy withal and liking others to make his jokes for him his name was pompey which as he confided to hamlet was a silly name but then his mistress was a silly woman her only merit being that she adored him to madness he had as fine a contempt for most of the other dogs of the world as hamlet himself it passed his comprehension that humans should wish to feed and pet such animals as he found on every side of him he saw of course at once that hamlet was a mongrel but he had i fancy an idea that he should play sancho panza to his own quixote he often told himself that it was absurdly beneath his dignity to go about with such a fellow but for pretty play of wit 
agility in snatching another dog's bone and remaining dignified as he did so for a handsome melancholy and gentle contempt he had never known hamlet's equal hamlet counted it as one of his most successful days when he brought pompey into the orange street circle there was not a dog there but recognized that pompey was a cut above them all a dog who had won prizes and might win prizes yet again although between you and me self-indulgence was already thickening him all the sycophants in orange street and there as elsewhere there were plenty of these creatures made up at once to pompey and approached hamlet with disgusting flatteries a pug known as flossie slobbered at hamlet's feet telling him that she had long been intending to call on him but that her mistress was so exacting that it was very difficult to find time for all what social duties hamlet regarded the revolting object glistening with grease and fat with high contempt his beard assuming its most ironical point i had a very nice bone waiting for you in the kitchen he said flossie shivered alone with you anyhow would be a delight she wheezed hamlet was of course in no way deceived by these flatteries he knew his world he watched even his friend pompey with a good deal of irony he would have supposed that his friend was too well-bred to care what these poor creatures should say to him nevertheless pompey was more pleased than he should have been he sat there round the corner just by the monument and received the homage with a pleasure that was most certainly not forced he was himself a little conscious of this awful bore he explained afterwards to hamlet having to listen to all they had to say but what's one to do one can't be rude you know one doesn't want to be impolite and i must say they were very kind hamlet was now restored into the best orange street society all received him back all with one very important exception this was a white poodle the pride and joy of a retired military colonel who lived at forty one orange street and his name was mephistopheles mephisto for short ever since hamlet's first introduction to the cole family he and this dog had been at war mephisto was not a dog of the very highest breed but his family was quite good enough and then being french he could say a good deal about his origins and nobody could contradict him he did not as a fact say very much he was too haughty to be talkative too superior to be familiar he had no friends there was a miserable dox fritz by name who claimed to be a friend but everyone knew how mephisto laughed at fritz when he was not there calling him opprobrious names and commenting on his german love of food from the very first mephisto had seemed to hamlet an indecent dog the way that he was here naked and there over hairy had nothing to be said for it his naked part was quite pink then mephisto had the french weakness of parsimony never was there a meaner dog he stored bones as no dog had a right to do and had never been known to give anything to anybody then he had the other french weakness of an incapacity for friendship the domestic life might perhaps appeal to him strongly no one knew whether he were married or not but friendship meant nothing to him 
he was as are all the french practical unsentimental seeing life as it really is and allowing no nonsense if he had those french defects he had also the great french virtue of courage he was afraid of nothing and of no one no dog was too big for him and he once had a fight with a saint bernard who happened to stroll down his way that was historic he was no coward as hamlet very well knew but how hamlet hated him all his fur bristled if mephisto was within half a mile mephisto's superior smile his contempt at the rather sentimental enthusiasms to which hamlet occasionally gave vent that went as they often do with his cynicism these made a conflict inevitable two the actual cause of the conflict was pompey we all know how very trying it is to make a fine friend to introduce him into our own circle and then to discover him when he is nicely settled making more of others than of ourselves neglecting us in fact this was exactly what pompey did he grew a little weary of hamlet's humour he became very quickly tired of experiences and he was not at all sure that hamlet was not laughing at himself he was flattered by mephisto's attitude that at last he had found a dog in the town worthy to be his companion he did not care very much for mephisto he found his french conceit very trying but it was true that hamlet was a mongrel of the mongrels and that it was absurd that he a dog who had taken prizes should be with him so continually in public obviously it was impossible that he should be friends both with mephisto and hamlet so quite simply he chose mephisto hamlet was most deeply hurt he was hurt not only for himself he had a sensitive and affectionate nature but also that so well-bred a dog as pompey should take up with a french animal who had all the faults of his race and very little of its intelligence he had one short sharp altercation with pompey told him one or two home truths and left him for a week or two he avoided the company of his kind and devoted himself to his master all this occurred at christmas time when jeremy was in disgrace for the buying of christmas presents with money not really his own jeremy thought of course that hamlet had noticed his misfortunes and was trying in his own way to express his sympathy for them master and dog were very close together during those weeks when hamlet sat at his master's feet pressing his thick body close up against his master's leg staring in front of him half asleep half awake seeing bones and cats and rabbits and near these mephisto with his naked patches and the treacherous pompey jeremy thought that he was considering only his master's unhappiness he was thinking little of that but for the most part he was meditating revenge he must fight mephisto for a long time now it had been coming to that he was compelled to confess that at the first positive thought of the definite fact he shivered with apprehension after all no one is truly brave who has not known fear and hamlet sitting staring into the schoolroom fire knew fear in no half measure then the thoughts of the insults he had received stirred him let him only be angry enough and he would forget his fear 
and the very thought of mephisto made him angry he had one staunch unfaltering little friend among the dogs of the neighbourhood this was an unimportant nondescript little fox terrier the property of the hairdresser at the bottom of orange street his name was bobby there was nothing at all to distinguish bobby from all the dogs in the world he was one of those ill-bred colourless fox terriers who were known to their masters only by sterling character he had suffered every sort of indignity in his time stones had been thrown at him kettles had been tied to his tail cats had scratched his eyes his master who often drank too much kicked and abused him but he had an indomitable spirit an essential gaiety of heart that no troubles could quench he was not admitted into the hierarchy of orange street dogs even flossie did not permit herself to be aware of his existence but he hung about always in a good humour always ready to do any one a good turn and often just rolling over and over in the road at the sheer joy of life at the first glimpse of hamlet he had lost his heart to him hamlet had not been so kind to him as he should have been but he had not rebuffed him as the other dogs had done and had gone with him once all the way down to the hairdresser's to see the hairdresser's baby of whose strength and appearance bobby was inordinately proud now in these days of hamlet's trouble bobby showed the true mettle of his pasture he longed that pompey might speak to him so that he might show him what he thought of him you mustn't let this worry you too much he said to hamlet i've been through far worse things than this it simply shows that pompey in spite of his high breeding is worth nothing at all i'm going to fight mephisto said hamlet bobby's eyes opened wide at that and he looked up from the old and very dirty bone that he was investigating fight mephisto he repeated that's a tall order never mind said hamlet firmly it's got to be done and you've got to help me three when fate intends something to occur she very quickly provides the opportunity the opportunity in this instance was bobby his was a most sociable soul we all know dogs whose whole interest in life is social they are not as a rule very popular with their masters it being said of them that they care for one as much as another and will leap with friendly gestures upon the hostile burglar as eagerly as they will upon the most important person in the household bobby was not that kind of dog he really did care for his hairdresser and his hairdresser's wife and baby and for hamlet more than any other humans or any other dog in the world but he was miserable when he was alone he must have company his only family was a very busy and preoccupied one and he did not wish to bore hamlet with too much of his own society the orange street dogs had their most accustomed meeting-place at a piece of deserted garden just behind the monument at the top of the hill here it was shady in hot weather and comfortable and cosy in chill they were secure from rude boys and tiresome officials and there was no large house near enough to them for servants to come out and chase them away it was it was true on the whole the second-class dogs who gathered there mephisto but seldom put in an appearance and therefore those sycophants flossie and fritz hinted that it was a commonplace crowd and beneath them 
moreover it was never very easy for mephisto to escape far from his own home as his master the colonel was so proud of him and so nervous of losing him that he could not bear to let him out of his sight it happened however one fine morning a few days after christmas that the colonel was in bed with a catarrh he was a very hypochondriacal gentleman and mephisto meeting pompey in the street they wandered amicably together in the direction of the monument mephisto was very ready to show himself in public having been to the barber's only the day before he was inordinately proud of the second tuft at the end of his tail at the gleaming white circle of hair round his neck and the more the pink skin showed through in his naked parts the happier he was he really thought there was not such another dog in the world as himself this fine morning being a provincial and narrow-minded dog in spite of his french origin mephisto and pompey trotted up orange street together and flossie who was always on the lookout from behind her garden railing for the passing of mephisto was graciously allowed to join them she wheezed along with them puffing herself up and swelling with self-importance the conversation chanced to turn upon hamlet mephisto said that now that he and pompey were friends he would really like to ask him a question that had been often in his mind and that was how it came about that pompey could ever have allowed himself such a common vulgar friend as hamlet pompey replied that he felt that that was a just and fair question for his friend to ask him and he would only reply that the fellow had seemed at first to have a coarse sort of humour that was diverting for the moment one tired naturally of the thing very quickly and the trouble was that these coarse-grained creatures that when you tired of them having given them a little encouragement at first out of sheer kindness it was exceedingly difficult to shake them off again the fellow had seemed lonely and pompey had taken pity upon him he would see to it that it should be a long time before he did such a thing again mephisto said that he was glad to hear this for himself he had never been able to abide the creature and he could only trust that he would soon be ridden over by a cart or poisoned by a burglar or thrown into the river by a couple of boys when they arrived at the monument they found several dogs among the trees flattering and amusing an elegant creature called trixie who was young and handsome and liked flirtations bobby also was there rolling about on the grass performing some of his simple tricks like snapping at three imaginary flies at once tossing into the air a phantom bone and lying stiff on his back with his four legs stiffly in the air he had been happy until the two aristocrats arrived now he knew that his good time was over he should have gone away but something kept him he did so hate to be alone and so he sat on a silly grin on his rather foolish face listening to the conversation while several of the dogs continued to wander about after the idiotic trixie who was as arch and self-conscious as a dog could very well be the conversation of the rest belaboured poor hamlet it is well for us that we do not hear the criticism that goes on behind our backs one and all of us we are in the same box 
did we hear we should watch the gradual creation of so strange and unruly a figure that we should rub our eyes in amazement crying surely surely this cannot be us not the tiniest shred of character was soon left to hamlet he was a thief a drunkard a wanton an upstart a coward and a mongrel bobby listened to all this growing with every word of it more uncomfortable he hated them all but it would need immense pluck to speak up for his friend and he did not know whether by so venturing he might not effect more harm than good the sight however of mephisto's contemptuous supercilious face his tufted tail his shining patches drove him on he burst out barking that hamlet was the bravest the finest of all the dogs in the town that he was honourable to a fault loyal and true that he was worth all the dogs there together when he had finished there was an explosion of derisive barks as he heard them internally he trembled for a large fortune of bones he would have wished to sink his pride and run he stood his ground however with one directing bark from mephisto they set upon him they rolled him over their teeth were in his ears his eyes his belly he gave himself up for lost at that very instant hamlet appeared upon the scene four he had not intended to go that way but finding that his master was occupied with those two supremely unattractive and uninteresting humans his sisters he thought that he would pursue an interesting smell that he had noticed in the direction of the high school during the last two days far behind him were his childish times when he had supposed that rabbit lurked around every corner and he had succeeded now in analyzing almost every smell in his consciousness as we are raised to the heights of our poor imagination by great poetry great music and great pictures so is the dog aroused to his divine ecstasy by smell with him a dead mouse behind the wainscot may take the place that shelley's skylark assumes with us and box fugues are to us what grilled haddock was to hamlet tot omenes tot he had not however gone far towards the high school when he recognized bobby's bark and bobby's bark appealing for help when he turned the corner he saw that his fate was upon him mephisto was a little apart watching the barking and struggling heap of dogs himself uttering no sound but every once and again pretending to search for a fly in the tuft of his tail that he might show to all the world that he was above and beyond vulgar street rows and at sight of him hamlet knew that what he had hoped would be was the sight of mephisto's contempt combined with the urgency of poor bobby's appeals roused all the latent devil in him twitching his beard feeling no fear showing nothing but a hatred and loathing for his enemy he walked across the grass and approached mephisto the poodle paused for a moment from his search for the fly looked around saw whom it was he had of course known from the first and resumed his search hamlet went up to him sniffed him deliberately and with scorn then bit his tail in its tenderest and most naked part the other dogs even in the most dramatic moment of their own scuffle were at once aware that something terrible had occurred 
they allowed bobby to rise and turned towards the new scene mephisto was indeed a fearful sight every hair on his head seemed to be erect the naked patches burned with a curious light his legs were stiff as though made of iron and from his throat proceeded the strangest most threatening growl ever uttered by dog and now hamlet pray to the gods of your forefathers if indeed you know who any of them were gather to your aid every principle of courage and fortitude you have ever collected and better than they summon to yourself all the tricks and delicacies of warfare that during your short life you have gained by your experience for indeed to-day you will need them all think not of the meal that only an hour ago you have in the event most unwisely eaten pray that your enemy also may have been consuming food remember that you are fighting for the weak and the undertrodden for the defenceless and humble-hearted and better still than that you are fighting for yourself because you have been insulted and the honour of your very nondescript family called in question the other dogs recognized at once that this was no ordinary contest and it was difficult for them to control their excitement this they showed with little snappy barks and quiverings of the body but they realized that too much noise would summon humans onto the scene and stop the fight of them all bobby was the most deeply concerned bleeding though he was in one ear he jumped from foot to foot snivelling with terror and desire yapping hysterically to encourage his friend and hero watching every movement with an interest so active that he almost died of unnatural repression to hamlet after the first moment of contact impressions were confused it was unfortunately the most important fight of his life and he had not alas very much experience to guide him but somewhere in his mixed and misty past there had been a bulldog ancestor and his main feeling from the beginning to the end was that he must catch on with his teeth somewhere and then hold and never let go again this principle at first he found difficult to follow tufts of white hair disgustingly choked him his teeth slipped on the bare places and it seemed strangely difficult to stand on his own feet the poodle pursued a policy of snap retreat and come again he was always on the stir catching hamlet's ear wrenching it then slipping away and suddenly seizing a hind leg he was a master of this art and it seemed to him that his victory was going to be very easy first he had one of his enemy's ears then the other now a foot now the hair of his head now one of his eyes his danger was as he knew that he was not in good condition being overfed by his master the colonel and loving a soft and lazy life he recognized that he had been in a far better state two years before when he had fought the saint bernard but poor hamlet's case was soon very bad indeed he was out of breath and panting the world was swinging around him the grass seemed to meet the sky and the audience of dogs to float in mid-air all his attacks missed he could no longer see blood was flowing from one eye and one ear he suddenly realized that the poodle meant to kill and it did not seem at all impossible but that he should achieve that the love of life was strong upon him 
behind his fighting there was his dear master and his love for him the world with its hunts and smells and soft slumbers and delicious food the place where he slept the rooms of the house where he lived the lights and the darks the mists and the flashing stars all these things ranged through his subconscious mind only consciously forming behind his determination not to die and in any case to hold on to the last if only yes if only he could find something on which he might hold the poodle's teeth were terribly sharp and hamlet seemed to be bitten in a thousand places worst of all something had happened to one of his hind legs so that it trembled under him and he was afraid lest soon he should not be able to stand once down he knew that it would be all over with him his throat was dry his head a burning fire his heart a recording hammer and the world was now in very truth reeling round and round like a flying star he knew that mephisto was now certain of victory he could feel the hot breath of that hated triumph upon his face worst of all there was creeping upon him a terrible lassitude so that he felt as though nothing mattered if only he might lay him down and sleep 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 his teeth snapped feebly his body was one vast pain now he was falling his legs were trembling he was done finished beaten at that last moment he heard as though from an infinite distance bobby's encouraging bark come on come on the bark cried you're not finished yet he's done too one more effort and you'll bring it off he made one more effort something colossal worthy of all the heroes bracing the whole of his body together beating down his weakness urging all the flame and fire of his spirit he launched out with his body snapped with his teeth and at last at last they fastened upon something upon something wiry and skinny but also soft and yielding if this time his teeth had slipped it would indeed have been the end but they held they held they held they held and it was the poodle's tail that they were holding he felt mephisto's body swing around so weak was he that he swung around with it his teeth clenched clenched and clenched mephisto screamed a curious undoglike almost human scream hamlet's teeth clenched and clenched and clenched tighter and tighter they held they met something was bitten through mephisto's whole body seemed to collapse his fund of resistance was gone something white was on the ground the end of the tail with its famous magnificent glorious superb white tuft was no longer attached to mephisto's body the poodle gave one cry a dreadful unearthly ghostly cry of terror shame and abandonment then his tail between his legs ran for his very life five ten minutes later jeremy looking out of the schoolroom window beheld tottering up the garden a battered dishevelled dog a little trail of blood followed his wavering course hamlet looked up at the window saw his master feebly wagged his tail and collapsed but as he collapsed he grinned End of chapter five